Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, welcome back to another episode of Leaders Alliance podcast. We're so glad you're joining us uh, in this particular episode. And uh, we have an amazing special guest that you're not going to want to miss, Ray Light. And I'll introduce him in just a few minutes. But just if you're first time viewer of any of our podcasts, Leaders Alliance is a global community of kingdom-minded leaders. We're uniting together with church leaders and marketplace leaders, those that are leading in the church, those that are in leadership outside the church. And we want to bring together a synergy that will empower both. We want to see churches be reformed into the fullness of who Jesus has called them to be, where every single member is walking in the full capacity and calling of Christ, where every single member is walking in their true identity in Christ. But we also want to make sure that as we do that, as we send people from the local church into the marketplace, Place, we want to make sure that everyone in the marketplace is operating in connection to the local church, connection to the family of God, but also bringing the blessings of that connection into the various parts of you know, education and Hollywood and entertainment and media and business and civil service, that all of us that are involved in ministry outside the church would be empowered to bring the highest degree of influence and impact that we can. And so that's what what Leaders Alliance is all about, and uh, we are just excited to have you on this. If you want to join us, we have an amazing uh, uh, class that we're actually offering an e-course called a Kingdom uh, Leadership Foundations, and we'll talk more about that a little later in the in the episode. But uh, just really encourage you to check that out. Go to our website, leadersalliance.org, and uh, check out some of our training materials. We have over 60 different sessions uh, that are just amazing sessions on different aspects of leadership, both in the church, outside the church. And uh, you can just uh, watch all these on archives as a member. We really encourage you to dive in, get involved, join one of our Catalyst groups, get connected to others, build collaborative relationships, and let's change the world together. Together. All right. So today we have an amazing guest, Ray Light. And I'm excited to bring you on, Ray. Could you join us right now? And, uh, you know, Ray and I have been friends for many years, and he, we've had a kind of a mutual role. I think I've been used in his life to bring some blessing and some coaching at different times. He's been used tremendously in my life as, a, as an identity coach to help me kind of work through some of the issues that were uh, emerging in my life that were hindering me from becoming the fullness of who Jesus wants me to be. And so we've had this kind of mutual beneficial uh, kind of service relationship, but then we also have a good friendship that's been developing over the years. And so I really appreciate you, Ray. I'm so happy that you're on this call, and I'm so excited that you get to present who you are, how you do ministry, what uh, some of the books and different uh, access points that you've created, and how others can partake of the wisdom and the grace and the anointing that God's given you. So, why don't you come online and share a little bit about yourself as we get started? Yeah, well, thanks, Michael. I, I truly appreciate you too, brother. It's been such a blessing. I've gotten so much from you. I think it's kind of what I mentioned to you yesterday too. It's like your your wisdom and your balanced approach to things is 
I'm just rather opinionated and kind of strongly opinionated and, and having somebody like you who has a better kind of scope of understanding has helped me to settle down in areas and, and yes. be able to be more, more balanced myself, which, which is nice. I love you so much, brother. You really have helped me a lot. It's nothing but blessings since I've connected with you. So excellent. Well, sure. Why don't you share a little bit of your story with us? Which, how did you get to who, be who you are and do what you're doing? Well, you know, the story, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some of it. You know, I, I grew up in a, a rather interesting situation uh, where, where I, I was very confused as a child and experienced life in, in very difficult ways. Things were very difficult for me growing up and just emotionally and, and mentally. And so I didn't really have a good connection with my family we were kind of like just five individual people that lived in the same house we were all just trying to survive through what was going on and so so it was i don't want to glorify too much of that but you know during that time and during my emotional issues during that time around 15 is when i i i, I attempted suicide when i was 15 because it was so yeah. dark and that was that was a tough time that that i've i've had to process through and then through that time growing up, I just wasted so much of my time trying to numb myself in different ways. Uh, I came to faith when I was 30. I met Jesus in a vision, which was a tremendous experience and and just really didn't even believe in God at that point. Didn't really. Mm -hmm. I, it all happened with just a, a flippant, you know, request that I said, hey, if you're God, reveal yourself to me. If you're not, I'm just talking to myself. And, and a few weeks later, I got drawn into a vision where I actually saw the fires of hell drawing me in. Wow. And I don't even know how. That's one of those things I still, I called out to Jesus during that vision. And that was an intense experience that no different than me talking to you right here on, on how I experienced it. And I called out to Jesus and he showed up from the right hand side and kind of came in and enveloped that whole vision. And then I popped out of that vision. And I was in the exact same spot I was a couple of weeks ago when I when I challenged him to reveal himself to me. So I still remember that it was an intense, intense time that usually I cry when I talk about it. But I'm already a little bit cried out from our last, <laughs> our last <laughs> meeting so because it's so stirring for me. But during that time, then I, you know, I came to faith. My wife and I became missionaries with Campus Crusade. We were we were. You know, it's crew now, but but it was Campus Crusade back then. And we worked with a ministry called Life Builders doing relational mentoring and discipleship. We were with campus for about eight years before we established our own ministry, uh, Faith by Grace Ministries. And our whole, you know, the whole purpose is to equip, you know, generations of disciples who, who can live a lifestyle of freedom and healing is, is the idea wow. of just practical and sustainable tools to, you know, it's the, I mentioned on the last one, just Bill Bright had such a great process of transferable concepts that got drilled into my head and and so it's the whole idea that everything we do needs to be transferable practical sustainable yeah. for others and so that's kind of like the heart of our ministry and identity I, I remember when I first came to faith I didn't want to preach somebody else's message mm. I wanted my own message you know and that yeah. could have been wounds could have been leadership I don't know but it worked you know I got I, I got the revelation of identity and the identity in Christ. And I just kept pressing in on that and pressing in on that. And that developed the, the identity restoration and the identity coaching model after doing years of inner healing and needing healing myself, you know, triggering into a full depression, drew me into the inner healing 
world when I got some inner healing from there. And then as I pursued, I connected with Donna and Teresa with, with Bethel Sozo. And I, I'm still on staff with them. As a matter of fact, I came on staff on 13 after pastoring a church in Annapolis for about five years. We let that released that church and went to uh, Redding, California and came on staff. And so we just moved back to Maryland uh, about a year and a half ago, I think now, after the fire of when we lost lost our home in the car fire four years ago. We hung around for a little bit, but we moved back to Annapolis, which was our hometown. And now I'm still on staff one day a week. I still do ministry for the Transformation Center. And the rest of the time I'm doing ministry for our own ministry, Faith by Grace. So that's, so that's where I am. That's so great. Well, gosh, you know, we have so much to talk about because we really want to ultimately end up talking about inner health for leaders. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you've been a leader for what, 20 years. And uh, talk about your different leadership experiences. You were in crew, you served in a church, and then you had mm-hmm. some kind of a, you said a depressive kind of crisis at that time. You you started your own ministry. Talk about sort of what that journey has been like Um from a, from a leadership perspective and from an internal perspective? Wow, it's been so interesting. And, and this is where, you know, I, I don't want to say that mine was unique, but it's a little bit on the sense of different from the ordinary. And I, I just because I got to bring this up that I, I was, uh, I grew up undiagnosed with uh, bipolar two disorder. Wow. So during those times, I didn't know I was struggling with that. That's what I mean about just being maybe a little bit more unique because only 3% of the, the world has bipolar disorder. So, so it's a little bit, everybody has their struggles. Everybody's dealing with their stuff, but mine added an extra little flavor because I didn't know I was going hypomanic and I didn't know I was expressing things the way I was. And people around me were experiencing things different than me is, and I didn't understand it and always felt like they were accusing me of stuff because I wasn't experiencing that, but they were. So it was, it was, there was issues that I had during that time that I can see now that I couldn't see then. So, so during that, you know, I, the very first thing I still remember when we came to faith, um, we jumped on the discipleship team at the church we were at. I jumped on, matter of fact, I was on the worship team there too. I play a little bit of lead guitar. I haven't really been playing for a few years, but so I played, kind of played melody with the worship team for a while. That was glorious, got on the discipleship team. And so while I was doing that, we eventually did transition to a, a different church because uh, we moved to Annapolis. And during that time, I was I was on the leadership staff there where I was more so the um, I ran the structure, the facilities manager. I made sure every, all the systems ran at the church was part of my mm-hmm. leadership there. And that was when I was a missionary with Campus Crusade. So during that time, whoo, like I got to be honest with you during that time. There was a lot of performance going on with me, a lot of performance. And I didn't even really fully understand it. A lot of have tos. My wife and I still talk about that. I don't have a choice. I have to do this. I have to do this. And that was part of my probably my my disorder, but also my immaturity. It was a mixture of things. But I was like, no, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. I have to do this. And and that's some of the problems I had of the have tos that kicked in in the leadership that then made my family a little bit less in that time when I have to do this. And it seemed, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things we're working through right now is just the ways that my wife didn't feel like a priority in our relationship during those times. Wow. And I didn't understand it at the time. I thought I was doing everything for them. 
And yeah. so that's kind of one of the areas where it went wrong for me, where I was doing all these have tos in leadership, thinking I was doing the right thing and doing what my family needed when I was missing what my family needed, which was me. You wow. know, it's like I can still feel that one. So, yeah. So that was going on during those times. And they didn't always get me. They got Minister Ray or Minister Dad or Pastor Ray or, you know, they didn't always get just Dad or Ray. Or, right. or they got some self-protection that would show up. So as I processed through that, I went into my depression at that point, got introduced to inner healing, started researching that. And that was during the time also while I was on leadership with the one church before I went with uh, another church and did a church plant in Annapolis. So I was part of the leadership team that did a church plant in Annapolis. And and I, I've, I've reconnected with the senior pastor there since I've moved back to Annapolis, but me and him didn't have a good time during that time. Wow. Let's just say his wounds and my wounds didn't mix well. Wow. And and so we, I can see that now, and I couldn't see it then. It was just frustrating and annoying, and I, it was a battle for me. And and so during that time, that was a little, that would be one of the areas where it kind of went wrong for me is because I wasn't in alignment with leadership, but I stayed anyway. And I, I really shouldn't have, you know, I really shouldn't have for, for them and for me and for the whole crowd of people, you know, that were there. Sure. So so with that, then eventually during that time, we, we connected with Donna and got invited to to come to Reading. And we were just doing we were still leading Faith by Grace, but I didn't have the whole identity coaching there. When, once I came to I came to Reading and we were working with a team of people there with some of the really, really wounded people. I was working with a friend of mine, Debbie, who, who led a ministry called TLC, which worked with some really, really, you know, interestingly, really creative, really intelligent, really wounded people. And so I was working with them. And then I was coming back to D.C. and working with a lot of the potential business leaders and political leaders right. at the same time going down to L.A., and working with artists and actors and creators and you know publishers and stuff like that down there so so i was working with some of the most creative intelligent people in the world and during that time that's where some of the old tools i was aware of and i was using every once in a while we'd hit a dead end and i was praying praying for for revelation on that to be able to get past some of these the, these these dead ends i was hitting and and that was when God put together the idea of the identity restoration piece, which, you know, part of the identity teaching I had been studying as a pastor and just part of my ministry, he tied the inner healing piece together with, with you know, the idea of that, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But God showed me that the kingdom of the world is fear, shame, and guilt in our own efforts. Wow. And that... Those systems, those, you know, strongholds, those coping mechanisms, whatever they are that we're using because of the trauma and lies that we have are just a, a, a disruption of the kingdom truth of our identity in Christ. So well, that's, that's kind of how what I do developed. And I think that kind of gets into the leadership. I, I lead a team. Um, you know, my wife and I lead Faith by Grace Ministries. We have there's uh, five of us on the team that. And our administrators, so there's six of us, but there's five people who do uh, actual the inner healing piece. We have two identity coaches. We have a spiritual mentor who's my wife that she helps you with boundaries and all that stuff. Those working out those those kind of details. She's more the detail person than me. So she helps work out boundaries and health life for people. 
And then we have a recovery coach and a dreams coach that helps you process. So, wow. so that's, that's our team. And I lead out faith by grace with my wife and, you know, besides, you know, my, my kids are grown now, so we're not really leading the, the, the family home in the same way, you know, they're, yeah. they're in California, we're in Maryland and they're adults. So they're living their own life, which is a whole nother, you know, <laughs> you know, Michael, you have, I know you have, you have kids all over the place, don't you? So yeah. it's, yeah, we definitely do. And, and, uh, oh, there's so much here I want to drill into. Um, probably the first thing I want to focus on, you know, because I'm part of, uh, I'm the director of Leaders Alliance, which is a, a bridge from Catch the Fire to the rest of the body of Christ. You know, we want to create that bridge so people can cross in both directions, resources can cross in both directions. But part of that is, is that, you know, our, the ministry that we're part of is so rooted in the need for ongoing, inner healing, if you want to call it, or, you know, transformation of the inner man, all of those realities. And so and I've been, my roots go back to John and Paula Stanford. I spent a week at their house probably 35 years ago, you know, mm -hmm. with uh, Leanne Payne, worked with a number of other modalities, even some of the- There's so many right? good people out there. There's, There's really so many. Is. And you had mentioned yeah. that you had been influenced by Leanne Payne as well. And um, as you are kind of pioneering, in a sense, a, a fresh approach, to the whole inner healing process, what would you say is similar and what is distinct within what you're building? Well, what's similar is it's always truth and lies. It never changes. It's yeah. It's always truth and lies. It's always repent and believe. It's just, yes. it's, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. That's the part that regardless of what ministry you are, that's that's what's going on. And, and maybe with the unique piece, once you get to that, one of the things like the foundation of my understanding, if you go back to the garden, you know, and this is my opinion, doesn't have to be, you know, absolute theology here. This is my opinion. When you go back to the, the garden in Genesis 3, where the enemy lied to Adam and Eve and they ate of the fruit, I, I don't believe eating the fruit was the problem. I believe eating the fruit was a manifestation of the real problem, which was that they believed the lie of the enemy instead of believing God. That's and I right. think that's where sin is, yeah. is when we don't believe God and we believe the enemy. That's the real problem. That's 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 kind of what what I experienced in my understanding of this. So so I don't deal with the details of people's fruit is what I would say in that situation. So I don't do details in my inner healing, which at some level is a unique thing, because a lot of a lot of ministries go deep into the details and the history and the and and one of the things I'd say with with what I do with identity coaching is I, I guess I'd say, you know, if you're going to cut a tree down in your backyard, there's some ministries and it all works. It works the same. It's just I don't have the patience for some of it. You know, some ministries go and they take each leaf off and then cut the little branches and then work their way down. You know, I don't. I chop off whatever I safely can as we go and get to the root, you know, so there would just be less cuts is what I would say when you're taking a tree down in that sense. And if you want an analogy, so I just kind of go for the specific things of the belief systems and the structures that we've developed that keep us stuck in the trauma of the belief system. And yeah. so I help people get to know themselves. And that would kind of be a unique thing too, is because I used to do, um, the deliverance model more so like prophetic deliverance where I would jump in your vision and I would know stuff. And I'm telling you, that was probably more fun. That's really fun, Michael. I missed that at some level when mm -hmm. I would just drop in and walk around your vision with you. It's like, you're the really cool prophetic guy at that point. You know what I mean? It's just, 
And, yeah. but now I don't do that. I do it differently where you have an interaction with God. You are the prophetic guy or girl in that moment. You're the one that's actually getting the information from Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Father God. And I coach you through the process where you can experience it and, and you can have a choice. So you're actually, you're getting trained. And what I do is a prophetic training because you're getting to learn how you hear from God, the different ways he's speaking to you, the different ways that you're believing lies and protecting. So you get to know you, you get to understand your own prophetic gifting and you get to have a choice. And then then we get in there with the, the basic break agreement with the lies. That's where once we get all the information, we do all this, then it becomes like any other inner healing ministries where there has to be some level of repentance where we, and what I would say with repentance is actually just reconsidering your thoughts, changing your thinking, and then getting to believing the truth. So the actual, what are you thinking? What are you believing? So you have an opportunity, like, what do I actually believe? What am I actually thinking? And then so you can repent, which means, you know, you break agreement with the lies, you release that. I, I've connected from the therapy I've had so that people can actually engage with their parasympathetic nervous system and process so, so that they can release the trauma that they're storing in their body also. So we do some breathing exercises to allow you to you know, let the trauma go if your heart's ready for that. And because, you know, from, you know, the body keeps the score. If you're not familiar with that book, it's a really good resource. It's just telling you those things. So then, so it's like you get, your heart gets a choice. You get to repent, you get to release the trauma. And then those structures you've developed, we let those areas of your heart have a choice. Are they ready for redemption? Or does that area of your heart still want to operate in fear, shame, and guilt because of lies? So it's a choice. It's always information and opportunity. I don't trick people into healing. I don't control it. I don't force it. I don't make it happen. So it's all just information and you get to choose. Yeah, I know. Having received ministry from you a few times, uh, it, it seems like you're, you're sort of like a facilitator of a connection with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and that, you know, the series of questions that you're asking are really, you know, geared to actually produce that connection at a deepening and deepening level where things are exposed. And then then the process of letting those things go or repenting of those things is actually part of the process. I think of it like a, almost like a midwife. You know, you're mm -hmm. you're giving birth to freedom, but you're not the one who's actually doing the contractions. You know? yeah. And so. You know what's really funny with that too, Michael, getting back to the prophetic piece is we'll be done with a situation. I'll be done with a session and still sometimes are like, oh my gosh, you are just so, it's amazing how prophetic you are. I'm like, I literally did none of this. You, <laughs> I told you what you told me, Jesus told you, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, but people don't, so it's like, they're the ones that are prophetic, but they still come out of it thinking I did it. And I'm like, I did nothing. I helped you have an encounter with Jesus, have a conversation with him. And give your heart a choice and so yeah. it's so it's it's really nice to be able to affirm the people letting them know it's like no you did this with jesus not me i i'm not the the man of the hour i'm not the one that came in and healed you i helped you engage with jesus you know i helped you give your heart a choice but i allowed you to be the one that's empowered to choose what your heart wants that's so good because i think that you know people learn a lot more when they can actually make choice than when they're being told and exactly. uh, and so now in this, you know, because I've I've received ministry from you a few times and and I've noticed a, a pretty clear pattern and you just went over it a little bit in general. Mm -hmm. Is there a set of steps that you generally will go through? I know every every situation is different, but is there a set of steps where you can actually um, 
kind of tell yeah. somebody what they would expect if they were going to come through a ministry time with you? Well, I, well, I guess just to give you an overview of it and then I can break it out. But what sure. I do is I help you connect with those compartmentalized younger areas of your heart where you are stuck reliving the trauma of the belief systems and the lies and you're self-protecting and fear-shaming guilt. What I do is I help you connect with that area, allow Jesus to give you information in that area. I let you find out what's actually true about your identity and what's available if you didn't believe the lie and you didn't have to protect. So that's the information piece. Now, that's how good. we do that, again, it never changes for me, Michael, to be honest with you, it never changes. All I do is when we hit those compartments, there's, I say four, but there's there's five pieces of information that we get. And one is like, what is the lie that you're believing in that compartment? And whether it's yeah. a memory, a vision, a picture, an imagination, a location in your body. There's so many ways that we store information in our memory, our soul, our psyche, however you want to describe it. Right. Some people get confused and think we're doing memory work. And that's that's not the case. It's just sometimes it's a memory. Sometimes it's an imagination. Sometimes it's something completely different. But there is a point of contact is what I would say. Okay. And we, I help you connect with that point of contact and, and be aware of it. And in that container, that compartment, that compartmentalized area of your heart, I help you get some information from Jesus. We just invite Jesus in there. And what we'll do is we'll find out what the lie is. We'll find out the lie that you're believing in that area of your heart. We'll find out how you self-protect. Now, what I want you mm. to understand in that compartment of your heart it's so completely different than your theology. It's this it's this like area packed away in the basement of your heart. It's like one of those boxes that you moved with 10 years ago and it's still still in your basement, right? It's the same <laughs> concept. You don't even remember what's in there. You know, it's just this box. So what it's the same kind of thing. So what happens is in that compartment of your heart, it's almost like there's a younger you that is stuck continually reliving that lie and that trauma over and over and over again. And then there's a self-protection that that you created yourself, like a subconscious program is the way I describe it. But that area, that subconscious program, it's, it's like a security guard for that area of your heart. And it's also like a talent agent. You know, so that that security guard, talent agent, I don't know what to call that, except I call it a system of self-protection. It protects that area of your heart and it helps find ways for you to relive that lie in your life is mm. what it does. And that's the part that doesn't make sense to people. So, but the thing is, that's just constantly going on in that area of your heart. So what we do is we we help that area of your heart get more information. What's the truth of your identity? Who were you created to be in that area of your heart? And then, you know, what's available if you weren't believing the lie and self-protecting? And then what does God want you to know about him in that area of your heart? And that gets to the need because the truth of who God is in that area of your heart is the need you have. That's what's going on. And that's what I find. So that's based. There's always a real need in those areas of trauma, even though you've been trying to get your needs met in unhealthy ways and never getting it met because the un, the unhealthy self protections of fear, shame and guilt will never take care of your your need for purpose, security and relationship. It'll never work. It causes yeah. more fear, shame and guilt. So we just that's what we do is we break that out, work our way down to the core of that because there's something at that whole structure. So there'll be a there'll be layers of of different things that fit together it's almost like a timeline that fits going down to the core and so what we do once we get to the core and this is what i do in an identity coaching session once we get to the core that's where we allow the power of the cross to be between you and all of that and we let your heart consider your thoughts and the funny thing is is while we're gathering that information it'll literally make no sense to you 
you won't even think some of it's part of your life. But once we get to the core, what I do, and this is actually my favorite part, Michael, I'm sure I've done it with you, is I tell you how that plays out in your life. I go, you do this, then you do that, then you do this, then you do that. And people are like, you just described my entire life, you know, and, and it's, it's just so good because then there's that, oh my gosh, they're like, wow, this is real. This is what I do. And then your heart has a choice knowing this, this isn't just mumbo jumbo that we're just kind of saying words and feeling good about ourselves. We're actually getting real information from Jesus and your heart's getting a choice. So then once we're there and your heart knows what the choices are, that's when we can break agreement with the lies. We can forgive. We can let your heart release all the pain, hurt, trauma, and abuse that you're storing in your body and your soul. And then your heart has a choice. Boom. Are you ready for redemption? And funny enough, some areas of your heart, once we get that information, need more time. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, that's why I'm here. I'm ready. I'm like, yeah. Well, you're also here because your heart does what it wants separate from your knowledge. That's right. You know, so so let's just let's not try to force anything and let's give your heart a choice, because in these areas, a lot of times your heart has not had a choice. And that's part of the trauma. Wow. So that's amazing. Well, you know, one of the things you know, when I teach on maturity, one of my definitions of maturity is the ability to fully process your pain in the presence of God. Yeah. But most of us don't know how to do that. I don't I haven't no. known how to do that. And your methodology seems to really provide a set of very clear steps without necessarily going in and reliving the past, you know, going through yeah. every detail of your pain, but mm -hmm. rather going to the, the secondary result of that pain, which is the false belief system that you've developed as a defense mechanism or as a, as a healing mechanism, but it's broken. Yeah. So how to bring that pain then into the presence of God and have it and get God's perspective on, on what you've gone through. Yeah. And so uh, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. But before we go on, I have a few more questions I want to uh, really address mm -hmm. with you. But before we go on, I want to just, uh, again, welcome. If you if you joined into this a little bit later and you're, uh, you know, this is Leaders Alliance podcast. And we're so grateful to have you on. You can check out our website at leadersalliance.org. And uh, we're here to actually help you become the leader that God created you to be. And part of that is by hosting somebody like Ray, who's able to deal with some of the stuff that might be hindering you or sabotaging God's best purpose in your life. And so we want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, find us on social media and, and subscribe to some of our and follow us. We really would love to have you. But I also want to mention that we're just releasing right now a leadership e-course called Kingdom Leadership uh, Foundations. And Kingdom Leadership Foundations is designed to help you become the leader that God's called you to be. And where we start is in the very most basic areas of coming under the leadership of Christ, learning to lead yourself. And really, we deal with some of these inner healing issues even as a part of that, although we don't go as in-depth as uh, our guest today is bringing us. But we also talk about how to lead in a very interpersonal level how to actually walk with people like your, your sons and daughters in your home family, how to walk with your spouse, how to walk in a, in a business context, how to walk in other levels of leadership, let's say in the church, how to begin to understand leadership at its most basic foundational level. Because, you know, in order to build a house, you've got to dig deep usually. And the, the higher you want to go with your building, the lower you've got to dig. And so we want to help you on that digging side with this foundations course. But the next course we're releasing is called the advanced course. It'll be out in a couple of months. And that course is more focused on organizational leadership. Mm 
So I just want to encourage you, check out this course. You will not be disappointed. We also have some free training online as well. Go to leadersalliance.org. All right. Well, let's get back to the next question, which obviously we're in a season right now where a lot of leaders are being exposed in different kinds of misbehavior. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we have that in the church, obviously, and it's shameful. It, it hurts my heart every time I hear of a pastor or leader who has uh, basically fallen into either immorality or abusive finances or some level of manipulation and control in their, in their ministry. And, and I know for a fact that none of those individuals set out, mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become uh, a pastor and then I'm going to manipulate people. I'm going to sleep with my secretary. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Somehow there were sabotage, there were, there were landmines mm. in their heart that they never fully dealt with. And we see the same thing in business, so it's not unique to the church. It's really unique to leadership, okay? So can you address that a little bit from your perspective? You were, you've worked with Hollywood leaders, you know, celebrities. You've worked with people in the marketplace. You've worked with people just with problems in their families. How do you, first of all, how do you account for the fact that somebody can begin well and then sabotage themselves at some point of even often at the highest point of success. Talk about mm -hmm. that. Well, it's, it's one of the areas that, that, that I've seen is, is people not being honest with themselves. And, mm -hmm. and we create these environments, regardless of whether it's a business leader, it plays out a little different, but we all have the same kind of fear, shame and guilt issues we're dealing with at some level. We're, we're not totally unique in the sense of what we're experiencing, even though our our story, our history is different than other people. So there's a uniqueness in that because no one's no one's lived the exact same life and had the exact same traumas. But but they're all, you know, in that sense, very similar in their way. So regardless of what leadership style you're 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 having similar issues, they just play out differently. But but what the real issue that I see in that place is where where you create a culture, if you're a leader and you've created this culture where you're the one that has to be the shiny one, mm -hmm. you know, you're the one that you, you, you have a culture where there's no room for somebody to have real issues and you can't show your issues. So what happens is you have to build up these structures around you. So you, you know, you might even be just lying to yourself inside of what's going on and you, you just kind of make excuses for these things and you don't have people in your life that can actually speak honest with you. To be honest with you, some of the, honestly, what I would find with some of the senior pastors and some of the, um, some of the own business owners of like, you know, several million dollar business owners of like huge corporations, I, I found that almost tell me the same thing as like, I have nobody that talks to me like you. Cause, cause I, I have a BS translator you know, when people are saying one thing, I can tell them what they're actually saying, yeah. you know, so I'll let them know, like, hey, this is what you actually just said. And what do you mean by that? And so so it's you need to have people in your life that can that can criticize you, that can challenge you, that can say, hey, man, that's that's not that, that's not really who you are in Jesus. Right. Not someone who just calls out everything you're doing wrong. That's the enemy's job. Right. But somebody yeah. who calls you to account to who you actually are. And, mm. and if we can get to those lies, and that's honestly, that's one of the biggest problems that I see is people trying to manage their behavior instead of find out why they're behaving that way. 
And wow. so that's we even have these accountability groups in the church or even in businesses. I see it all the time. I have I have these people, you know, I'll hear about it all the time. It's like, oh, I have these people that I get together and I tell them how many times I've done X or how many times I've done this. And they hold me accountable for it. And I'm like, well, well, who's actually holding you accountable for your beliefs? You know, the lies you believe and the truth of who you are, who's holding you accountable for that? Wow. And usually there's there, there's no no answer to that, you know, because we're not actually getting to the root issue, which is the lie you believe. And, wow. and if we can't get there, we're just we're, I call it managing the fence is what I call it. So you're just managing the fence around the issue and you're never dealing with the issue. And you might have to build new fences as and the more you focus on it, because the law stirs up the sinful desires. So the more laws you create and the more rules you create around yourself, the more your sinful desires will be stirred up. And then the more you have to focus on the fence and the more you get off the focus of the truth of who you are. And so if we can get to that place where you can believe the truth of who you are, you will manifest the truth of who you are. And like we already talked about um, before, Michael, is that the, the culture that you are managing and maintaining internally, emotionally and mentally is the culture that you're creating in your church, in your family or in your business. Wow, let's 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 focus on that a little bit because you know the the scripture says we need to guard our hearts with all diligence for mm -hmm. out of our heart flow or issues forth our real life. Mm -hmm. And what you said a moment ago about not being honest with yourself, what you said about the pressure of a leader to perform. Mm -hmm. This uh this externalization, this facade, uh, this mm -hmm. persona that we have to keep building and reinforcing because it's always being torn down. It's always deteriorating mm -hmm. around us. And so all of our energy goes out there and no energy is going towards resolving those inner things that are being fed. Yeah. And so, yeah. so as we look into this, I want you to, to comment about that, you know, in terms of the issue of authenticity. Because I believe like mm -hmm. you know, integrity and authenticity are crucial to effective leadership because we do, mm -hmm. we can't build what we, what's in our mission statement unless it's happening inside of our inner being. Exactly. And so talk about that a little bit more. How do you get people to the point of, first of all, recognizing that there may be a discrepancy between who they are on the inside and what they're trying to build on the outside? And then how do you start bringing a, a degree of harmony between those two realities? Yeah. And for me, I've realized there's unless they're ready, it's not going to happen. And and I, I think we touched based on it on the other call that there, what I have found is that people will continue to manage and maintain. They think they're fooling people, but they're they're not. They're only fooling themselves is what's going on. So so what happens is is they're they're trying to keep this place of security that they've created themselves, which is never secure is right. the problem so so at some point they're trying to create their own safety their own security and out of this place they've they've created some level of of image that they have to find their identity in right and, and there's all these false identities that that we get value in that happens that you're trying to manage this false identity instead of just be you it's a lot yeah. of work and the problem with that one of the things that happens if like if i create if I come in here and I come to you as like, oh, I'm the guy or whatever, you know, I'm the ministry guy. Here's me. I'm the ministry guy. And I need you to honor this ministry guy the way I want him ministered. Right. So even if you do, even if you give this ministry guy idol that I've created, 
even if you affirm that, I never get it. Mm. Just this idol is affirmed. And with yeah. every false idol we have, there is demonic influence in your life helping you destroy your life. And that's one of the things I share with people is that, sorry, I go all over the place. I'll try to get back and make sure I'm online. But one of the things that I share with people is that, you know, the, the unhealthy behaviors, attitudes, the things going on in your life, they're not an attack of the enemy. They're a partnership with him to destroy your life is wow. what they are. So, wow. so in that area, some, it has to go wrong somewhere, right, is the thing. Because I'll see people, it's, it breaks my heart. I will meet people, and maybe it's just because of what I do and the, you know, the, the actual discernment and prophetic nature of my focus. I'll meet people, and I'm like, oh, my land. Does, nobody sees this train headed for the cliff? You know, but I don't have authority in that person's life. I don't have any influence. And then I've seen it multiple times and eventually, boom, they just it just breaks my heart. And a lot of times I'll get them after the fall and it just breaks my heart because some of their systems will push someone like me away. Like, I think we talked about that. And it's like the, a prophetic community. A lot of the really strong prophetic people that are extremely wounded will recognize the discerning people and they will make sure that they're nowhere near that they, they push them out because because yeah. someone who carries a strong discernment can see the wounded little boy or the wounded little girl that's leading from that place in whatever's going on. But there has to be something that happens. So the way I describe it, either there's something that draws their heart to the light where they can see it and want it or the misery in their 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 heart, their life, their mind has to increase to the level where it overtakes the fear that's keeping you from doing something. No, that's so good. I mean, that's really what AA says. You can't really turn around until you hit your rock bottom. You know, mm -hmm. there is uh, there is some truth in that. And uh, I think that we're also, you know, the, the issue of, uh, you know, I mean, normal sales is either a matter of pain or pleasure, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're saying. You're saying it's like either you're being drawn to the pleasure of being whole in Christ or you're being mm -hmm. so motivated by the pain of your lack of wholeness in Christ that mm -hmm. either one can be yeah. an adequate yeah. motivator to get you to start. Well, to you can really see how trade. principles play out everywhere the same. Right. You know, it's no. And that's so true. Now, what there's one, you know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you th free. Yes. Now, I think initially I always understood that theologically. Once my theology is straight. <laughs> then I'm going to be a free man. <laughs> yes. And yes. so, but as I've worked with people over the last 45 years in pastoral care and inner healing and other things, I've come to the con conclusion that it's not the truth that makes you free. It's the truth that displaces the lie mm -hmm. that makes you free. And that's mm -hmm. really what your whole ministry is about, yeah. is identifying those areas. Now, let's go into this, this question of strongholds a little bit you you've used the word in our in our members meeting earlier about systems and mm -hmm. uh and and I, I you have a number of other sort of synonyms for this but the bible talks you know that uh, the weapons of our warfare are not earthly or carnal but they are mighty mm -hmm. through god to pull down strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself mm -hmm. against god those are the lies we're talking about right now and mm -hmm. those are the things that oftentimes don't get dealt with when we're so focused on performance as a leader. Okay. So talk about that. Talk about how do you dismantle those strongholds and also go a little bit more in depth about talking about the partnership 
because I totally agree with you that when we mm -hmm. come into agreement with lies, we actually put a doormat out for the enemy exactly. to, to yeah. attack us at some level. Now, again, it can just be simple agreement with the powers of evil, or it can actually become even more controlling, more, more directive in your life if you allow it to. Talk about mm -hmm. those dynamics in terms of your ministry. Yeah, I will. I'll break it out a little bit here. It just reminded me when you were talking. Honestly, I forgot about it earlier. I just went over this on my podcast, and I have a podcast called Your True Identity on Charisma. And yes, I, I did the uh, supernatural power of personal responsibility is the one that it's called. And that's with, that's where the power is. And that's like, let me break that out for you in the sense of, you know, how is personal responsibility a supernatural power? And so, so in that sense, when we get to the strongholds, and I think we touched on this in the members meeting in the sense that those strongholds are the actual positions that we're hiding in, in fear that we created. So, and a lot of times I, I can't find anywhere in the scriptures, I, I could just be wrong and not found it, but I can't find it where it's demonic strongholds. We love to call it demonic strongholds. Like it's yeah. the, the enemy that has the stronghold over me. Like, no, 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 no. This is, you know, the way I describe it, I mean, this might be an Airbnb or a vacation home that you manage and the demons come in and they hang out, you know, but you've created the space. You've created this position, this stronghold, this fortress. Fortress is one of the translations of that work. So yeah. it's like you've created the fortress and you're hiding in it in fear. And what happens then we kick into the arguments, right? And the arguments are those imaginations and those things that you use to defend your position, right? right. So there's the stronghold is the position itself. The arguments are the offensive ways that you defend it and prove that you're right, right? And then there's the lofty opinions, which are those things that are elevated up above the knowledge of God and who you are in Christ. And that would be the false identities, the images, those things right. that we create whether it's like my career, my ministry, my, 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 um, you know, how much money I have, whatever, you know, whatever it is, there's all kinds of ways that we can find value in ourselves. That is not the truth of who we are in Christ. That's right. So we have all of them. So to start out, if you want freedom in that area is admit that they belong to you. They don't belong to the enemy. They're yours. You manage them. You maintain them They're, You know, you're arguing in this place to prove you're right, right, is what's going on. Because instead of actually just being right in Christ, to prove you're right. And that's the difference. That's the argument. And then again, with the lofty opinions, instead of you actually being able to accept your value and find value in who you are in Christ, you have to find value in this false identity. So you're ashamed in some level, and you've created this 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 false identity that that is the lofty opinion. So what happens is you find you're trying to find your security, your relationship and your purpose in these false things. And it's never going to work is what happens. So yeah. so accepting that it, at some level, you know, it's like, again, the acceptance. I'm sure that's you mentioned AA. I'm sure acceptance is a part of that. You know, I don't know those 12 steps, but I'm sure it's got to be that that that's one of those things you got to accept that, you know, it's you, you know, I posted this maybe a year ago, but, you know, the 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 quote about the monkeys you know it's like hey these aren't my monkeys this isn't my circus these aren't my monkeys kind of thing and i'm like you know sometimes you got to admit this is your circus and those are your monkeys yeah. you know and so that's your stuff going inside of you that's kind of where it starts there has to be a personal responsibility for your own thoughts and your own emotions 
Because if somebody else is responsible for them, you have yeah. no power to take care of them. So that's yeah. where the divine power comes in. You having personal responsibility because you have divine power to tear down these thoughts, these strongholds, these arguments, the fear, shame, and guilt, right? And then you can be free. Right. And what makes them a, a system is that there's usually three or four of these things that are, in a sense, conspiring. Four or five mm. little pieces of of identity brokenness in your life that are that are that are conspiring together to create a a, a fortress in a sense inside structure and that's yeah, it's where, all kind of they work together in some ways yeah yeah no it's it's interesting because you know i'm i'm 45 years in christ i'm 65 years old i'm still processing through a few things mm -hmm. and and as you said before you know you don't like to focus on the details of somebody's past you know, like what happened to you? Where were you abused or in what situation or, you know, how were you beaten or what words were spoken to you specifically? Uh, your your main focus is going after the response to that abuse mm -hmm. yeah. that actually culminates in a perception of the world, of God, of of yourself that is exactly. false. OK. Yeah. And, and then trying to, in a sense, take apart that falsehood that got embedded in you at an early age. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you said something else in the, in the, in the, uh, in the members meeting where you said, you know what, I'm not going into memories. I'm not about memory healing because whatever's binding you right now, even if it was birthed out of a, a tra traumatic experience is real. Now it's, we're yeah. dealing with what's real at this moment. Talk about that a bit. Well, it's the idea, I, I guess it's, you know, when, you know, the, the father of the demonized boy after, you know, Jesus came down from the, the, the hill of transformation, right? It's like when he came down, he's like talking to this, this dad. And he's like, hey, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So all of us have some of that unbelief is what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. And in that area of unbelief, I just totally went blank, Michael. I got to be honest on where the question you asked. Where was I going? I'm like, <laughs> the question you had, if you could just wrap it up real quick. Yeah, it's, like, it's really talking about, um, gosh, I went blank too. So, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Michael. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's well, just part of my issues. You know? What we're going after is is how to dismantle those things. And then mm. many of them sit, it's it's not the past that we're dealing with. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't. Okay, okay yes, yes. You brought me. God, good job, Michael. Good job. All right, so. So what it is, and just to be honest with you, like maybe one of our memories is a container where we're storing, but we're not looking for memories is yeah. what I would say. But the issue isn't. What I would say is I'm not going into your past. We don't time travel into your past, right? We deal with the lies you believe today about your past, right? Because right. it, it doesn't really matter. And, and I guess the difference between trauma and unresolved trauma is what I would describe because trauma isn't a problem. Trauma is just this, this kind of, disturbing thing that happens, right? If you look yeah. at the basic definition of it. Yeah. And we deal with trauma all the time. There's issues that we run into, but they're not all bothering us. You know, 45 years in, there's there's trauma that happened to you as a kid that isn't affecting you at all right now. Now, what I would say is there's a difference between trauma and unresolved trauma. And the right. unresolved trauma is when there's an event or something that bonds with a lie. And that lie bonds with that trauma and then it keeps you stuck reliving the emotional aspects of that trauma and when we just keep going over the details over and over and over again we relive the trauma 
and we get addicted to those emotions that are going on. So we find ways to relive that trauma, whether it's telling it or re-experiencing it relationally. And that system of self-protection that we created of fear, shame, or guilt, which, you know, we could call it, some people call it ego, coping mechanism, defense mechanism. You know, there's there's probably a thousand names for it. I don't know them all. But I, I ended up just calling them a system of self-protection is what I call it. So it just wraps all of that in there. It's the fear, shame, and guilt. It's like the subconscious program that automatically runs when the lie gets triggered. And if you think about like the, the keyboard on your computer, the lie would be the, the key on the keyboard. And when that, when that key gets pressed, for whatever reason, however it gets pressed, that program automatically runs. Don't even right. ask your permission. You already gave it, you already gave it permission. And for the, you know, the computer people out there, you already set the IRQ on that that thing for the you yeah. know computer nerds out there it's like it already it already has permissions and wow. it automatically takes over and runs and that's why you're doing some of those behaviors that you're like wow why did i just do that or maybe it was embarrassing for you that's yeah. what just happened is you just reacted out of an old unresolved trauma so you're living in the past instead of living in the future is what's going on and you're reacting out of an a past unresolved trauma instead of being able to be present and respond out of the truth of who you are in in freedom, peace, and joy. That's so good. And, you know, if you're listening to this today and you realize, wow, you know, I have an issue, I have like extreme anxiety, or I have, uh, you know, uh, uh, irrational fears, or I have uh, just uh, covetous thoughts, I'm always comparing and contrasting myself with others, uh, you know, talk about lust or talk about areas of, of anger that you can't control. In most cases, if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, those things are rooted in something other than Jesus, okay? Mm -hmm. They're rooted in something that still, as of yet, hasn't come fully under the blood of Christ, all right? Mm -hmm. And when we were talking earlier, you said you're absolutely a finished work guy, but the finished work needs to be applied specifically sometimes. Talk mm -hmm. about that. Well, yeah, what I would say is... is because we know the the differentiation with some of the finished work teaching about no need for inner healing is exactly you know and we and and what I realized because I am a finished work guy I believe the truth of who we are is already true now the the issue is is we don't believe the truth of who we are right again I believe help me with my unbelief some areas yeah. we do and in those compartmentalized areas it's in one of the, this is one of the things I share with people it's like if you thought about your heart, and I know this is an abstract thought, but if you thought about your heart like a building with a bunch of rooms in it, right? We've invited Jesus into the building. And, and I know it's his building, right? And I know he's everywhere, but let's just kind of go with me. I know the theology, but we've invited him into the building, but we don't let him in every room. Yeah. And in some of those rooms are those departments <clears throat> where we're stuck reliving the old unresolved trauma. And there's a security guard and a talent agent, you know, managing us in that area. And so, so in those areas, the truth, the building is already true, right? The truth of who we are is already true, but there are belief systems, right? And faith always manifests itself. So there's these belief systems in there that are not true, that we actually do believe. Because if we didn't believe lies, and if we weren't believing lies and self-protecting, we would look exactly like Jesus, right? Amen. We would have attained to the fullness of the measure of Jesus. And I yeah. have not done that. Right. I haven't. Done, I've been working on this for 15 years. Yeah. I haven't done that. You know, and Mike, maybe Michael's the closest one I've met. You know, let's. But <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'll give you that. But, you know, I mean, I haven't met anybody. I've met a lot of people, too. A lot of leaders yeah. that you would 
you would potentially put up on a pedestal, you know, and and they're still dealing with lies and wounds and self-protections. And everybody's dealing with fear, shame and guilt that some area of their life. We're all absolutely. No, I mean, one of the one of my heroes who, uh, you know, is very against inner healing and uh, considers it an insult to the cross of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. just went through a horrible season with his leadership team because of other issues. <laughs> you know, in other words, it's all of us. We yes. all need help here. OK, yes. so if you were to summarize all that you know and believe and have pioneered into three things that a leader should do or should do on an ongoing basis to maintain inner health, what would those three things be? Well, I guess it, since it's three, I would, I would really just jump on this easily with the three steps to life. That is yeah. the first tool that, that, that I developed working with, with all the clients I've worked with. And so with that is the first one is to intentionally stay present, whatever's going on. Like if you're experiencing freedom, peace, and joy, and, and you're just going and you're experiencing freedom, peace, and joy, go keep running down that road we're pursuing the kingdom of god which is freedom peace and joy righteousness peace and joy i call it freedom because in right relationships there is freedom so Absolutely. we're pursuing freedom peace and joy so if you're experiencing freedom peace and joy keep doing it but i would also say check with people around you to make sure they're experiencing freedom peace and joy from you right <laughs> is what i would say so because like, like I said, I was diagnosed with bipolar two and some of these places I thought I was experiencing freedom, peace and joy, but the other people around me weren't experiencing that. Right. So, so again, check, have things in place of where you can get feedback is always a good one, but the idea that intentionally staying present in the situation, and there has to be an intentionality because of all the systems that we have running. And so there has to be an intentionality to stay present. If you trigger off into fear, shame, and guilt, stay in it. Intentionally stay in it. Think your thoughts. Feel your feelings. And that's what the first, the first step is to intentionally stay present. The second step is to choose reality. What are you really experiencing? I think this is happening. I feel this way, right? And you feel this way because you think that's happening, right? And there has to be an understanding of thoughts and feelings which I've found is a very confusing place for a lot of people. And that's one of the things I help people with is because a lot of times people will make their thoughts a feeling. So you'll never actually be able to consider your thought and, and reconsider it. So right. if you make your thought a feeling, you can't capture it either. Right. Yeah. So you have to think your thoughts, feel your feelings, know the difference between them. And the third step is just to connect with God in that place. Right. You know, just, and I know you're already connected with God, but it's just like, allowing yourself to be aware of the presence of God with whatever's going on with you. And I'm going to let yeah. you know that I put it on the back end because I get this question every once in a while. <laughs> I put the connect with God on the back end because God is, you know, the kingdom of God is in your midst right here, right now. The kingdom of God is not in your self-protection of fear, shame, and guilt. That's a different kingdom. So yeah. that's why there has to be the intentionality to be here, be present. Be in the moment, in your midst, with yourself, and then think your thoughts, feel your feelings, and let God come into that place so that you can find out what's really happening, not what you think is happening. That's so good. So to process your life in the presence of the Lord, being present with yourself, mm -hmm. <laughs> so important. And then also staying in reality, being yeah. honest with yourself, being honest with God, being honest before yes. God. And so those are such good good tools. All right, so we're we're going to wrap up right now. If we could put up uh, 
Um, Ray's contact information again. You have a number of books. You're actually releasing a new book right away, right mm -hmm. now. You also have an e-course that contains a lot of this stuff, but in much greater mm -hmm. depth. How many, how many hours of teaching is the, the e-course? I think it's like 30 hours. It's six weeks. Are you serious? Wow. It's really, really good. I got to be, I mean, so, it's, I know it's my e-course, but I like, I feel good about this one. It's a six week e-course for $49. That'll rock your world. And you'll know oh how to gosh. take inventory of your own heart when you're done. That's so good. So I want to encourage you if you're watching today or you're watching in the archives in the future, lay hold of this stuff because it truly is a fresh approach to dealing with the inner stuff, to creating inner health. And if you're a leader, you need this. This is not optional. You have to be putting aside time to maintain your inner equilibrium, your inner health, your inner truth, the sense of God's presence in your life. And, and there's a whole lot of other things warring against that. So please lay hold of it and, uh, and, and walk in it because it's necessary for your long-term finishing well in the future. Okay. So again, for Leaders Alliance, look at leadersalliance.org. And uh, we have a, our own training that we're doing, uh, Kingdom Leadership Foundations, that's on an e-course. And it's going to really in, you know, equip you and empower you to be the leader that God's called you to be. So as we close then, uh, Ray, would you just bless everyone who's mm -hmm. listening to this, both in the present and then in the archives? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus, just thank you for everybody that's hearing this. And... I just pray that you would empower them to be able to be honest with themselves and and just know that it is the courageous thing to pursue healing in these areas. That even if you were trained and taught to deny and perform, regardless of where that came from or what theology or, or religious background that came from, that you have permission to pursue freedom, peace, and joy. God wants you. It's the truth of who you are. You are a kingdom seeker. And you are allowed to pursue freedom, peace, and joy. And to do that, sometimes you have to be honest with yourself on why you keep tripping over fear, shame, and guilt. So I just, just want to release permission to pursue, overtake, and recover all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. and. Uh... Hopefully you'll join us next week as well, where we have uh, Mark Berlinson. It's going to be excellent. God bless you all. Take care.